Give all of our children a big, big hand clap. Let them know that we love them today. All right. And uh, wow, they're excited to leave. Okay. <laughs> that's always scary. It's when the parents follow them, that's when I get scared. Just like, yeah, let's get out of here. Well, I'm going to start a brand new series today. Uh, we just got done doing a series on the Jehovah names of God. And uh, today, I want us to start, and the Lord led me uh, to this for all of you um, a few weeks ago. I, I felt that he was saying, this is what I want Bethel to hear. And we're going to do a series of messages that would fit under the umbrella that I would merely call, pray about it. Pray about it. And I'll, 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 I'll give away what I'm wanting to accomplish each service and that is for God's church to pray, and, and for us to pray specifically for some things uh, in this series. We're, in this series, Lord willing, we're, gonna, we're going to uh, pray for other people that might not even be in this room. We're going to pray for people that are real heavy on our hearts. We're going to pray that God would heal diseases. We're, we're going we're gonna to deal with what happens when it doesn't seem like God's answered your prayer. That might come in handy for some of us, huh? Uh, so we're, we, got, we got all kinds. How long is this series going to last, Pastor? I don't know. Maybe four or five years. I, I, I don't know. But uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to share this with you. So what I thought I would do today is just kind of kick off this whole series by giving a more general uh, message. And yet, I'm still going to want us to pray. Uh, at the end. And, uh, you know, I've had people, uh, I've, I've had a number of people, uh, th- they're not sure uh, how they can pray and how they can pray effectively. And I honestly think that the church sometimes has made this really hard be- because we, we think that we have to imitate somebody that seems to be an effective prayer and, and that, boy, they pray really good, uh, whatever that means. And uh, you know what I've just learned? I've just learned that all I need to do is just talk to the Lord. Is all I need to do. I don't have to sugarcoat it with the King James English. I don't have to say the right magic words to get God's attention. I don't even have to have the greatest amount of faith going into my prayer. I could just pray. I could just go to the Lord and say, God, this is how I feel. And that's enough. And so I want you to be encouraged today. The moment you begin to pray is the moment that you are making progress. The, that's the moment that you are doing some great things. Prayer is the one thing that the enemy does not want us to do. You know, it's been said that the devil fears when even the weakest Christian bends their knee to pray. In fact, It's been said that the devil doesn't really care how busy you are in the church as long as you're busy without prayer. And I think sometimes we have uh, tried to substitute activity for prayer. If you see the strength of a tree, the strength of a tree is not found in its leaves. It's not. They might be pretty, they might 
you know, add distinction to the tree, but the key to a tree's strength is in its roots. The unseen part. You know what the key to our relationship with God is? It's the unseen part. The part that nobody else sees. Yes, it's important that we do what, what everybody else sees. It's important that we have this dynamic. And it's so good to see so many of us here today. And, and, and God's doing great things in this church, by the way. This church is growing. Can you say amen? It's really exciting. God's answering prayers. God's doing great things. But he's not done. There's more that he wants to do. And so I'd like to kick this service off, this whole series off, by turning your attention to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. And I've simply entitled this message, When the Church Prays. What happens when the church prays? What happens when people like you and me decide to, all right, we're going to pray about this. And, and, and really mean it. You ever have somebody tell you, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm praying for you. And you're thinking, no, you're not. Right? You know, if you've been around church long enough, you, you might catch that. I don't want it just to be a catchphrase. I, I want us to mean it. If we're praying for somebody, we should mean it. And Acts chapter 12 takes us to a story when there was some pretty heavy persecution coming to the church in Jerusalem. Real bad. And the church decided to pray about it. I want to show you what happens. So if you're able to, would you stand with me for the reading of God's words? We read this together. Acts chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 1. I'm going to go to verse 19 and follow along with me. If you don't have your Bible, all my scriptures will be on the screen, uh, except for the ones that maybe I just kind of throw in there, but uh, the main ones. Here we go. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. And when he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. And this happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for a public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying for him. Did you catch that? Okay, let's keep going. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up. <laughs> Sounds like our house. Uh, <clears throat> and he said, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. And then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. And Peter followed him out of prison. But he had no idea what the angel was doing, what was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed by the first and the second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. And when they had walked through the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. 
And then Peter came to himself and he said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. And when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many had, people had gathered and were doing what? Praying. Praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overwhelmed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her, and she kept insisting that it was so, and they said it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and the sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. And then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea, and he stayed there. What happens when the church prays? God I'm asking you that your Holy Spirit would just come alive with us, within us as we look at your word. And God, I pray that we would see the effectiveness of what happens when we pray. God, when we just reach out to you, you do so many incredible things. So Lord, I pray that these words, and your word especially, would speak to us today. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. What a story. What a story. James, the brother of John, has been executed. He is the second martyr uh, in the church after Stephen. And uh, Herod sees that, hey, this is going well. The Jewish leaders, you know, the ones that crucified Jesus or wanted Jesus crucified, they like this. So now let's go after Peter. So Peter gets captured. And it was then that the church really began to pray. And what follows is an amazing story. And yet I can tell you that some of the things that we see in this scripture when, we, when the church prayed, I believe we could see when we pray. And when we pray together. And when we pray when we're outside of this place. So... Let's answer this question. What can we expect when the church prays? What can we expect? Let me give them to you today. I've got a few, so I'm going to have to hurry because I know you've got to get to the restaurant before the other churches. Wait till football season. Boy, y'all watching your... Anyway, love football season. Here's the first one. You ready? There was some resistance. When, when we begin to pray, there's some resistance. Yay. <laughs> That's not how we wanted to start this off, Pastor. I want to hear all the blessings, and, and we'll get to your blessings. But first, let's understand that there is a spiritual battle that's taking place against the church and against you and You cannot, hear me, you cannot fight a supernatural battle through natural means. 
It's not going to take you so far. The weapons that we fight with are different. We are people that need to recognize that there is incredible power when we pray, when there is resistance against God and his people and the word of God. Now again, just to review, look at verses 1 through 5 again. I mean, this is, this is bad. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some that belonged to the church and he intended to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. And after arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. And Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. What is our reaction? What is our reaction when we see some of the crazy and some of the rebellion against God's word? When, when we see resistance against the church and the ways of God, when we live in a land that says that right is wrong and wrong is right, or, or really, your right might be right and your wrong might be wrong, but if we put them all together, we'll just have a big old love fest. And, and it's just like, ah, what is going on? And we see definitions of marriage, and we see the, the uh, just messed up all over the place, and, and the definition of different genders. And now there's, uh, what, 666 genders now? I'm here all week. And uh, some of you don't get that, so ask your friend after church, okay? And, and, and life, life is looked at just like it's nothing. And let me just tell you here at Bethel Church, we believe that all life, all life is precious to God. The already born and the pre-born, we believe all life is sacred and precious to God. And so it's sacred and precious to us. But our culture is saying other things. How does the church respond to that sort of thing? How does the church respond when we are not too far away? In fact, there are other countries similar to ours that would actually come after me for hate speech for what I just said. How do we respond to that? We pray. We pray. Our default response when there's resistance should be a praying church. No, no, we got to get this candidate. No, we all got to vote for the same person. Okay. We've tried that. Both sides. We've tried that. We just need us a Christian in the White House. We've tried that. We've tried it. And our nation's still a mess. And I think, to be honest with you, I'm more concerned with what's going on in the church house than I am in the White House right now. And I think if the church really begins to pray, that's when we'll see the tide begin to turn in our nation. We have to get serious yeah. 
about God. Can somebody say amen to that? Our default response to resistance to God's word, our default response, and yes, there's times to get involved. Please don't get me wrong. No, I'm not criticizing every politician, just most of them. But, but, but the default response, number one, has got to be we pray. We pray. Oh, I got to hurry. Number two, number two, when the church prays, not only is there resistance, but there's a reviving that takes place. I'm going to have fun with this, okay? Look at verses 6 and 7. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Now, this verse is not an endorsement for you to sleep in church hoping that angels show up in the middle of the service, okay? Some of you firmly believe that. Trust me, I see you, okay? I know who you are, and I still love you. It's all good. Just go to bed a little earlier on Saturday. But here, here I want to kind of use this. I want to use this as an illustration that when God's people pray and when the church prays, you know what happens? There's an awakening that takes place. I said there's an awakening that takes place. You see, what is revival? A lot of people in the 90s, we used to uh, throw this word around revival, and we almost made it a uh, church style. Well, they're a revival church is what they are. Well, what's that? Well, they're in revival. You got to say it that way, by the way, if you really mean it. Revival. You know what revival is? This is where the church is. This is where it needs to be. Revival is the trip to get there. And some people don't want to get off the ride and be at the church. So I'm not suggesting that we live in a constant state of whatever that is. And that's where a lot of churches got things wrong. Because we tried to mimic what other churches were doing and we tried to make a one size fits all everywhere we go. And let, oh, let's all get matching jackets and let's all, you know, sing. if you sing these songs and God's going to do this. And, and, and it turns out it's a whole lot more than that. I'm reminded, it's not in the screen, but Second Chronicles seven fourteen says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. There's an awakening, a reviving of the Holy Spirit when God's people pray. You have to pray the price. I want God to move. Pray, for, pray the price. Pray the price. Don't, don't tell me how to preach. Don't, don't, don't have your list of songs that we have to sing. One quick way for us to, you know, get, wow. Pray. Because here's what I found. God will do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. God is, this, God is this thing called sovereign, which means he's in control, which means that he will, <laughs> he will do what he wants. And so I pray, say, God, do what you want. Don't let us get in the way. Let there be an awakening of your Holy Spirit in our church, in my life, in this community. And I've seen it. 
I've seen it. I've, I've seen the real thing take place. I've seen lives totally transformed. As a youth pastor, our garbage can became a holy place in our services because kids would come off the street and they'd go to a youth service and they'd throw drugs in the trash can. They'd throw their parents' prescription medicine in the trash can that they stole. They with One girl gave me a bullet that she was going to use on herself. Put that in the trash can. It was a holy place. That's a move of God. Change lives. I want to see God change lives. I want to see God change lives. I want to see people that are absolute train wrecks find Jesus Christ. That's what I want to see. I, I want to see people that maybe have been in the church for years and, and nothing special has happened in their spiritual life in a long, long time. I want to see God change that person. That's what I want to see. I want to see God change me. I've been saved since I was nine years old, so that's a good 20 years or so. And, and I want to say, <laughs> or so. Okay, okay. Yeah, y'all know. All right. But, but I want to see God change me. These things come when we pray for it. When the church prays, there's an awakening. We can expect a great awakening to take place when the church prays. Number three, there's a release that takes place. There's a resistance, there's a reviving, and then number three, there's a release. Going back to verse seven, the church was praying, by the way. The angel appears. Light shines in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. That's, gonna, that's how I'm going to wake you up next time, Jonathan. I'm just going to get up. And uh, it's biblical. Uh, quick, get up, he said. <laughs> and what happened? The chains fell off of Peter's wrist. Oh, don't miss this. You know what this pastor's praying for? I'm praying that spiritual bondage would fall off of people's lives when the church prays. And that, that, that can be accomplished. I know that there's wonderful resources that are out there, and we embrace those. But you know what really sets the prisoner free? That's when we pray. Prayer is the key. Prayer is the key that unlocks the bonds that holds the prisoner captive. See, I've been around here long enough to recognize that that addiction is a chain, it's a bondage that straps a lot of people down. And, and, And the Holy Spirit can set that person free when we pray. I know that pornography is a huge stronghold in our country. My goodness, if you look at a brain scan of a person who's addicted to porn, and if you look at a brain scan of a person who's addicted to cocaine, they look almost the same. What do you do about that? You pray. The church has to pray. Violence. Just in our area, the violence that that, that takes place we got to pray against that, church. 
the immorality that's taking place in our area, it, it, it's, it's something we have to pray against. Again, yes, there's some great resources out there. That's wonderful, but, but, but the church dare not, dare not look for people to be set free merely by some program without at least praying against the bondages that are out there. When the church prayed, Peter's chains fell off. There are people in this room. The chains fell off of you a long time ago. Or maybe not so long. Because somebody was praying for you. You were once on drugs, you were not anymore. You were once an absolute mess, you were not anymore. You were bound by fear and anxiety and, and God's changed your life. Somebody was praying for you. Somebody was praying for you. If we want to see more stories like that, we have to pray. Can you say amen? amen. Number four, my goodness, Pastor, how many do you have? 72. I'm kidding. 71. Um, there's a revealing When God's people pray, there's a revealing. I, I want you to take a look what happened, okay? Number one, it's pretty cool, by the way, that Peter, <laughs> he's sleeping next to two guards, one on each side. He gets away from that, gets away from all the soldiers, and look what happens. Verse 10, they passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate, the iron gate leading to the city. It opened, <laughs> it opened for them by itself, and they went through it. Let me pause here. Do you know what happens when God's people pray? Doors open for that church that they were not expecting to be opened. God reveals opportunities for a church to do something great in the kingdom of God. Why? Because we're praying. I want you to realize they were praying for Peter. They were not praying for a gate to open. Follow me. They were praying for Peter. God opened up a gate, an entrance that they were not expecting to see open, that Peter was not expecting to see open, that they were not praying. And that's the kind of opportunities that I want God to open up for us. Could it be, could it be that there is a neighborhood that God has called us to that we don't even know about yet? You know, could it be that 15 years ago or however long we decided to try this thing called a giveaway, that we thankfully walked through that gate and now, 15 years later, God took an event. There was some crazy idea that my wife came up with that I did not like, by the way. <laughs> Let's do this. Oh, no. And we did. And y'all brought stuff the week before, and then we opened up the doors the following Saturday. Okay, we can't do that now. Okay, now, for those of you who don't know how the giveaway goes, okay, basically we'll have hundreds of households register online or in person ahead of time 
to come to this thing where we just bless them with stuff around the Christmas holiday. Nicole was talking about it earlier. Before they have that opportunity, we share Jesus Christ with all of them. Do you know over 100 people made a decision for Jesus Christ last year at that event alone, right? 15 years ago, this pastor's like, ugh, no, no, near Christmas, honey, what are you thinking? But like every good man, he listens to his wife. People ask you, how have you been married 35 years? That right there, ladies and gentlemen, is how you do it. One thing about my wife, she has a lot of discernment and a lot of wisdom. So when that little southern drawl starts talking, I listen. And God has opened that gate to make it that's something that's certainly bigger than us. That happens because we were praying 15 years ago, God, give us a dream. Give us a vision. Give us a strategy. Give us an iron gate that you might open so that we could touch people for you. And I don't think God's done opening gates for Bethel Church. I think there's some other ones. I've got some, I got some crazy dreams. I don't share them because <laughs> you'd leave. But... <laughs> So I keep it between me and God until he says, okay, share it. But these, these come about, these gates open because God's people pray. Because God's people pray. I'm almost done. <laughs> that means nothing. Uh, next, there was rescue. There was a rescue that took place. Let's not forget, Peter was supposed to be executed the next day. And God rescued him from that because the church was earnestly praying for him. Again, look, look how it went. Verses 10 and 11. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself and they went through it. And when they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. And then Peter came to himself and he said, Now I know without a doubt, without a doubt, that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. He went through four squads of four soldiers. Two guards chained next to him. First and second guards went through that. Iron gate opens by itself. You know what God does? God protects his church when we pray. I apologize if this story is a rerun for some. But many years ago, I took a missions team to El Salvador. If you don't know anything about San Salvador, which is the capital of El Salvador, it has been known for many years for some very, very violent gang activity. The MS-13, how many of you have heard the MS-13 before? Okay, four, that's great. Uh, <laughs> read a newspaper. Uh, the, the MS-13, the MS one of the most violent gangs 
probably the most violent gang that there is, originates from San Salvador. And I took my youth group there. <laughs> okay, let's go. Their arch rivals are the 18th Street Gang. So the violence that takes place between those two gangs, even though MS-13 gets most of the notoriety, the 18th Street Gang is just as violent. The man who is our evangelist that was going with us in the, on the team, he got saved out of the 18th Street Gang. He still had all the tattoos and everything. Well, some MS-13 people saw his tattoos. And they decided we're going to kill him. In fact, I'm preaching away in a, in a church in San Salvador. And you probably know this, but the extent of my Spanish is Taco Bell. That's about it. <laughs> and burritos. And uh, so I'm preaching away. And my, my interpreter is... Demas was his name. He's, he's on this side of the, of the lectern. I'm on this side. I'm preaching away. God's doing some really cool stuff in this service. We see a lot of people come forward. We see a lot of people giving their lives to Jesus Christ and asking for prayer to be healed. It's just a powerful service. I see one guy coming down the middle aisle, and he is crying like a baby. I mean crying like a baby. I thought, Wow. I mean, the sermon was good, but I don't know if it was that good, you know. I'm kidding. And he sits about right where Nick is. And the evangelist is praying with him. I thought, well, I'll pray with him. And, and so we have this prayer time. I have no idea what's going on because it's all in Spanish. And afterwards, <laughs> afterwards, the evangelist comes up to me. He says, do you know who that was? I said, no, I don't. He said he was with the MS-13 gang. He was sent here to kill us. Kill you? <laughs> no, he came here with two grenades. And he was going to blow up the bus that would have killed me, you, all of our workers, and all of your kids. Instead... He gave his life to Jesus Christ on the second row of that little church that day. Now, now, people ask, are you afraid of anything? Not much after that, just ladders. <laughs> Being honest. But hear me, you better believe that this youth pastor knew that I would have an army of people praying for us while we were in El Salvador. They didn't know they had to pray for my protection. They didn't know that they had to pray for the protection of all those kids and all those workers. They had no idea. Can you imagine the international incident that would have happened? Instead, instead, that gang member gave his life to Jesus Christ because God protects his church when it prays. God will rescue 
God will protect. That person you're praying for, God will rescue him. You just keep praying. That person that's caught in addiction, you keep praying. Don't you stop. And we'll trust God together. I'm going to close with this. Jonathan, if you can help me. I was going to end here. But then God dropped this one on me last night. Retribution. Not the kind that you're thinking. Verses 18 and 19. I love how Luke puts this. In the morning, there was no small commotion (laughs) among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. You think? And after Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards in order that they be executed. And then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and he stayed there. So everybody responsible for making Peter as uncomfortable as possible were met with their demise and even Herod relocated because of this. Now some would say, you know what we need to do? We need to start an online petition against Herod. Forward this or Jesus won't bless you. Have you seen those? I I think he'll still bless you. But here's the deal. God knows how to deal with those who will oppose his church. So you don't have to go after him. The Bible says, vengeance is actually mine, says the Lord. It's not us. Your, your battle is not against a government party or a politician. Did you know that? Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, the scripture says. We, we fight our battle against principalities and powers. And the only, way, the only way to defeat that is through prayer. The only way to defeat that is you become acquainted with your sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Put on the full armor, the Scripture says. The only offensive parts of the armor of God are the sword of the Spirit and praying in the Spirit. If we can master these two, that's when we see the enemy fall. All the church did was pray. God took care of the enemies. We pray. God will take care of laws. God will take care of governments. God will take care of situations. God will take care of mentalities. God will take care of it all. Yet, Yes, 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 there's room to be involved. Don't get me wrong, but, but, but church, oh, we, we, we dare not. We dare not do anything without praying. Without praying. I wonder today, What might happen if people in the church, even this morning, would just pray? Pray for your church. You you pray for your your country. You pray for your children. You you pray for that that loved one that's going through so much. You you, you pray. what, What might happen if we pray? Jesus, in a few moments we're going to pray. I pray, God, that you would hear from heaven 
that you'd respond to our prayers. Hallelujah. Would you all stand with me? Every one of us. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. What do you need to pray about today? What's God putting on on your heart right now? Right now. What is God putting on your heart right now? Can we pray for it? Can we pray for it? Jesus, those things that you put on our hearts, Lord God, we lift them up to you. God, you are able to change the course of nature. God, you are able to move hearts. God, you could change a country. God, you can do it all if we would just pray the price. Here's what I want to do, church. I want to pray a prayer. And I just want to give you a green light today to pray. And maybe you want to come to this front area and kneel at this altar and seek God there. Maybe you want to pray at your seat. But before you leave this place, would you pray for that person or thing that is so heavy on your heart today? And together, could we just seek the Lord together? And who knows what doors might open? Who knows who might be rescued? Who knows what God might do if we just pray? If you have nothing else to pray for, maybe you could pray for your church. But can we pray? And, 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 and when you're done, you're, you're free to be released and, and to go. But, but could we? Could we pray? For some of you, you might need to pray for a few moments. For others of you, you may, may need to pray a little bit longer. But can we pray? So Jesus, your word says that if we call to you, you'll answer. We sought the Lord, we seek the Lord, and you answer. You deliver us from all of our fears, Lord God. God, you heal our land when we pray. God, you touch our homes when we pray. God, you touch our situations. God, for some of us, there's somebody heavy on our heart. God, we just want to say all we can to you about that. So, Lord, hear the prayers of your people, no matter where we are in our spiritual journey, if we would just pray. So, God, hear our prayers. And I believe we're going to see testimonies of your grace and your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you pray? And if God releases you, you can consider yourself dismissed. God bless you. But let's seek the Lord.